have your Bibles, go with me to, uh, let's start with Genesis chapter 15, 15. Genesis 15, 15. How many of you guys are blessed? Amen. Amen. We're going to be continuing on um, in our Marriage Made by One series and somebody said when we're gonna stop this oh I don't know we might just keep going and going and going keep going and going and going because see all these things are just little nuggets and little things that'll help you in your everyday marriage and one of the things you have to learn how to master in your marriage is mastering peace amen uh, and, and peace is not something that I look at my wife and demand that she uh, allow me to have, or I don't look at her and say, you're messing with my peace, amen, because I know where my peace comes from, amen. Uh, and, and somebody says, well, I don't know where mine's come from. Well, that's why I'm glad you're here listening on tonight, because we're going to tell you where your peace comes from. We're going to help you understand how to obtain and maintain your peace, amen. Uh, as a matter of fact, the title for tonight's message is how to obtain perfect peace in your mind how to obtain perfect peace in your mind. Now, before we uh, talk about how to obtain perfect peace, let's talk about first what peace is. Uh, I'm a firm believer of a, letting the word of God define itself. So when we look at the word peace in the Bible, uh, in the King James Version, it is uh, in there over, uh, 400 times. 400 verses in the King James Bible talks about peace, amen? Now, the law of first mention requires us to look at the very first time peace was indeed mentioned in the Bible and allow that to define how we use it throughout, amen? So we're going to look at the first scripture where we see peace in the Old Testament, and then we're going to look at the first scripture where we see in the New Testament, and we're going to look and see how the concordance defines that word peace. So in Genesis 15, 15, this is one of the very first times, or the very first time that you see peace in the Old Testament, and it says, And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Um, the Amplified says, And you shall go to your fathers in peace, you should be buried at a good old uh, hoary age. Uh, the NIV says, you, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. So in all of these different translations, it translates out the same way. It just keeps calling this word peace, peace, and peace. When you look at this in the concordance, uh, it's a Hebrew word, and it's a word we're familiar with. It's shalom. Everybody says shalom. Uh, and this word actually means completeness, soundness, welfare, and then it says peace. And in your concordance, it will then give you various definitions that apply to that actual word. And here's the uh, different definitions that it gave. For peace, it says that it's completeness in number. So completeness in number. So if you were saying, let's say you had 10 sticks, but you only had five in your hands, you have peace when you have all of them. So if I have peace when I have all of them, that means I have to have all, how many? Ten. Ten, right. So peace meaning this, I have it all. I have it all in number. Uh, then it also means safety and soundness in body. Safety and soundness in body. The third definition down here, it says welfare, health, and prosperity. Welfare, health, and prosperity. The fourth definition is peace, quiet, tranquility, and contentment. How many of you guys want some peace and quiet? Some tranquility and some contentment. <laughs> Amen. So peace, quiet, tranquility, and contentment. Uh, and then the last one that I'll, I'll, I'll hit on here is peace in friendships. It says of human relationships uh, with God, especially in covenant relationships. So another definition of peace, it talks about this friendship of human relationship, but then also this friendship with God in covenant relationship. Amen? So that's what the Old Testament and the word shalom in Hebrew talks about. Now let's look at this word in the New Testament in the Greek in Matthew 10, 13. Go to Matthew 10, 13. 
This is the first time we see it here. Um, we're going to look at this in the King James in Matthew 10, 13. And this word here is pronounced slightly differently. Amen? Uh, so Matthew 10, what did I say, verse 13? Now this word looks like Irene, but it's actually not pronounced that way. I'll spell it out for you. It's E-I-R-E-N-E. -E. Did you get that? E-I-R-E-N-E. -E. And I'm going to let our buddy go ahead and say it for us. Irene, Irene. Y'all need that one more time? <laughs> Strong's G, 1515, Irene, Irene. All right, so let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Irene. Yeah, you did it better than I did. Amen. Irene. <laughs> All right, so, uh, but it looks like Irene, but that word actually means peace, and it's in the Greek, and it means peace. Now, here's the definition, and it's quite similar to its Old Testament counterpart, um, the first definition that it has down is a state of national tranquility. A state of national tranquility. Now, somebody might say, what is national tranquility versus personal tranquility? Well, national tranquility talks about no war. So this nation is at rest. This nation is at peace, meaning there is no war, okay? Uh, the second definition is it's peace between individuals, for example, like being harmonious or in harmony or on one accord. Peace between individuals that talks about harmony or being on one accord or in this definition it actually says concord. Number three, again very similar to uh, the Hebrew version, security, safety, prosperity, and felicity. Security, safety, prosperity, and felicity. Now, this is talking about peace. It's your peace. It says, because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. Peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. Another definition, it says, of the Messiah's peace, the way that leads to peace or salvation. So this is very interesting. You have all these different kind of angles on peace, but at the end of the day, it's still all saying the same thing, that everything is all right in this situation. Everything is all right. Everything is the way God intended it. Everything is in line with his will, his purpose. It's at peace. It's, it's, it's one definition talks about being one. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But then it's in being one, on one accord, with what he wants, with his will, in line with him, even in relationship with him, all of this is considered peace. If you're with me so far, say amen. Then the fifth definition in the Greek, it says, of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation, but not just any salvation, it's through Christ. See, I can be at peace in my mind, my will, my emotions. I can be at peace in every part of my being because I know I'm saved because I trust in what Christ did. And I trust Christ on the inside of me. So because I know that he did a complete work, somebody say a complete work, I know that he did a finished work. Somebody say finished work. I can rest and be at ease and at peace because I believe in what he did. If you understand that, say amen. So it says of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God. Now that's interesting. I'm so at peace. I'm so trusting what Christ did. I don't fear anything from God. Oh, what does that mean? Why do you think it says I don't fear anything from God? Somebody yell out at me. No judgment. I don't fear judgment from God. Why? Because Jesus took the judgment. So I can be at peace. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fear. I don't have to doubt. I don't have to say I'm not worthy. I don't have to say that this is happening in my life because I messed up. Why? Because my mess-ups no longer count against me in that way. 
Because Christ took the punishment for my mess-ups. Christ took the judgment for my sins. Now, don't get me wrong. When you do habitually commit sins, there often are some repercussions on earth. You walk out of this room and you shoot somebody, you probably are going to jail. Amen. You walk up and you smack a cop, you might get tased. I'm just saying. So there are repercussions to breaking laws and, and doing things that are sinful in those various ways, but at the same time, Jesus has paid the price for the mistakes that you make so you don't have to walk around in fear in your mind that God is going to punish you as a result of your shortcomings or your failings. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So what ends up happening is, is a, you, you find yourself in this state of peace, that says, I'm not worried, I'm not afraid, I'm not even ashamed because I know what Christ has done for me. So it says, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Now, I thought that was interesting. It says, content with, it, with, with your earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. And I, and, and I find it interesting because Paul talks about us being content. He said, that, you know, whether I am abased or whether I abound, I'm good to go. Why? I trust God. I trust God at the end of the day. What does that mean? Well, you know what? If I find myself in a situation that looks like I'm broke, if I find myself in a situation that looks like I'm ailing with some type of illness, if I find myself looking in a situation that looks like I'm about to fail or lose, I literally say, this is not the end because I trust what Christ has done for me. This is not the end because I believe in God's promises for my life. So even though I don't have everything I want to have or things may not be looking the exact way that lines up with his word, I'm going to still stand on his word. I'm going to still remain at peace because I know it's going to work out. But that sounds like wishing. No, it's not wishing when you are standing on what you know. Wishing is about what you hope. This is about what I know. I know what God said. I know what he did. I trust him. And regardless of what anybody says, what anything looks like, I am content in where I am because I have been trusting God this whole way. And I am where he told me to be. And even though I don't see many others where I am, even though I don't see all the provision in the natural where I am, this is where he told me to be at. Amen. So it's coming. Amen. And I'm at peace. I'm not worried. I'm not anxious. I'm not afraid. I'm not fearful because I know it's coming. Why? Because my father told me to be here and he's not a liar. So it's not like the situations when we were physically younger and maybe daddy didn't show up when he was supposed to and, and things didn't show up when they were supposed to or you didn't get the gift that you thought you were going to get and it wasn't as good as you thought it was going to be and you were just disappointed over and over again. I serve a God that doesn't disappoint. Amen. And so I take peace in that. And I am literally content with my earthly lot, whatever sort that is. So... Peace has various definitions in that way, but at the end of the day, it boils down to me being whole, me being complete, me being at one with God's will and his purpose, all being well in my life. But how many of you guys know that peace is something that happens in our spirit, in our minds or our souls, as well as in our bodies? But before we get too deep in that, as we're defining peace, I need you to understand where peace comes from. Because many people go searching for peace as if it's a book to be found or, 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 or a physical thing to be found. And I want to tell you today that your peace comes from God. Now, see, that's good news all in itself because you know God is a gift giver, isn't he? You know that every good and perfect gift comes from God, correct? So you know if it's coming from God, it's good for you. So your peace comes from God. Look at this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Thessalonians 3, 16. So the peace I'm looking for in my body, the peace I want in my mind, the peace that I have in my spirit, now notice what I said there, the peace I have in my spirit, your spirit is perfect. Because once you're saved, your spirit's on lock, you're good to go. It's that mind that has to be renewed. Amen? It's that flesh and that body that has to line up with the word of God. 
But 2 Thessalonians says it very clear. Read this with me. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. So not, a, not only is he the God of peace or the Lord of peace, it says very clearly, he will always give you peace. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. <laughs> so where do I get peace from? Where do I get peace from? The preacher? My wife? My husband? My children? I wish y'all would just give me a moment of peace. Get it from God. Get that assurance, get that, get that wholeness, get that completeness, get that oneness. All that you need, you get it from your heavenly father. Now, the only way to get it from my heavenly father is by spending time with my heavenly father. If I'm spending more time with the problem and spending more time with the situation and spending more time with the, the issues and everything that's going on, I won't get peace out of that. I'll get something, but it won't be peace. But as I spend time with the Father, oh, I need a lot of peace, Archie. Well, spend a lot of time with the Father. Spend a lot of time in his word. Douse yourself. That's what I have to do, making this real practical. That's what I have to do. Man, when my peace is starting to get disturbed and folks is messing with my chemicals and I, and I feel all funny and everything like that, I literally stop everything uh, that ain't of him around me. And I mean, I mean that in the truest sense. It's like I'm not watching TV shows right now. Ain't no video games. Ain't no extra conversations. My music, my, 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 my eye intake, uh, everything about my time is 100% him when I am finding my peace starting to slip away or fail. Now, I'm not saying you got to get religious with this and that's all you can do. Like, like I can't watch other type of movies or listen to other type of music. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you're peaceometer is on E, then what you need to do is fill up with the one who gives. And I would encourage you not to mix it with nothing else. Because all that's going to do is dilute what you're getting from him. You're going to end up with not enough of what you need. So I literally just cut and shut everything off. Kind of like what we talked about the other day or a couple of weeks ago about going into that secret place. And sometimes my secret place ends up having to happen for a couple of days. But, but being a human being, I can't sit in a closet for three days. Or at least I shouldn't. Amen? So I have to make sure that when I'm in my car, it becomes a place of peace. I have to make sure that when I'm on the job, my surrounding area becomes a place of peace. I have to make sure as I'm going to lunch and I'm interacting with certain people, I got to make sure that if I'm going to go with friends, they got to be friends that are going to promote my peace. Because not all friends promote your peace. Not all friends promote your peace. Not all friends promote your peace. Amen. Got this joke and that joke and they got this post and that post and they got all these things that you want to look at and, and then you, you start realizing that you're getting interrupted in your peace process all of a sudden. My peace 100% comes from God. And if you find yourself getting a little weak on, in your peace, then I would encourage you to go back and look at how much time are you spending with God or, or other things coming in there and literally robbing your peace. Look at Romans 15, 33. Just keep moving. Romans 15, uh, 33. It talks about this as well. And we'll look in the yeah, King James. Romans 15.33 says, Now the God of peace be with you all. The Amplified says, May our peace-giving God be with you all. May our peace-giving God be with you all. Who's the giver of peace? Hmm. Let's look at this as well in Philippians chapter 4. and We're going to look at verses 7 through 9. Philippians 4, 7 through 9. Uh, verse 7, it says in the King James, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Verse 8 says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, surrounding yourself all in your mind. It's just what's good, what's promoting love, what's of a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, that's the stuff you should be thinking about. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The Amplified says, and God's peace shall be yours, verse 7, that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is, that peace. So remember all them pieces we talked about earlier? It clarified, out of them 15 pieces y'all talked about, I'm talking about the God of salvation is going to be with you. The God of safety, the God of deliverance, the God of nothing missing, lacking, or broken, the God of more than enough, Jehovah, that God, the one who saves you, the one who's provided grace for you, the one who has made his sufficiency, your sufficiency when you're weak, he's strong, that God is going to be with you. And it says, which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard, where? Over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now we are on purpose in this part of our series talking about this type of peace because many, many, many single and married folk struggle with peace specifically in their minds. That woman drives me crazy. That joker got one more time. He is making me lose my and, and we say these things over and over again, and if you've ever been married or are married in a room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And even if you're single and, and you're in a dating relationship, oftentimes our mind becomes the place of turmoil and torment. And God says he has something better for you. He has peace. He has his peace that he will give you. But you got to make a choice to allow him. Somebody says, well, what do I need to do? Because this is the type of peace I need. I'm glad you asked. Look up in verse 6, and we're going to read it uh, in the Amplified. It says, all right, actually, let's go to verse 4. Verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say, rejoice. Now, that's very interesting. We're going to come back to that in a minute, but for the sake of time, I'm going to read this through. It says, let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God and God's peace shall be yours. Now, you have to read this in context. What do we say? When you read things, when you take the context, uh, the text out of the context, you're left with a what? God, yeah. So you got to read this whole thing and read it the right way. So go back to verse 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. And once I have delighted and gladdened myself in him, go to verse 5. It says, let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness. This is interesting. When I'm reading this in, in succession and, and reading it together, it's saying that when I delight myself and gladden myself in him, then let all men know and perceive and recognize my unselfishness. Well, what did I do that was unselfish? Well, I delighted in him. Well, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Go back to verse 4. Remember I told you about those scriptures at the end in brackets, they'll give you even more depth and context into what this means. So let's go to Psalms 37, verse 4. And let's see, what does delighting ourselves in him have to do with being unselfish? Psalms 37. 
in verse, what do we say? Verse 4? Amen. And then go ahead and just kind of put your marker over in Philippians because we'll come back there in a moment. So Psalms 37, 4, and let's read from actually verse 1, and we're going to read down to verse 4. It says, um, Fret not yourselves because of evildoers, neither be envious against those who walk in unrighteousness, that which is not upright or unright standing with God. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. So it's saying, don't worry about people who are not trusting God. Don't worry about evildoers. Don't worry about people who don't believe God. Don't even look at them because they're going to get what's coming. Amen? Then verse 3 begins to tell you how you should be. It says, trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident in who? The Lord. Trust him and then do good. So shall you dwell in the land and feed surely on his faithfulness, and truly you shall be fed. Then it says in verse 4, which is our reference scripture, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, roll, roll and repo, uh, repose each care of your load on him. Then it says again, trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in him, and he will bring it, whatever it is, to pass. This is very interesting. So if I'm reading this and breaking it down, it's actually saying that if I delight myself in the Lord, that means I'm trusting him. It's not delighting myself, meaning, Lord, I'm happy with you. Delighting myself in the Lord means I am literally making what he wants what I want. His desires, his ways, I am pleased with those and they become my desires. Whatever you want from me, I like it. Whatever you have for me, I like it. I'm, in, I'm pleased with what you want from me and then that thing becomes what I trust in. I trust your opinion, Lord. I'm waiting for you and therefore I'm going to go with what you say. And how many of you guys know when you go at what God says, when you delight yourself in him, when you do it his way, when you make a choice to go his way, he's going to make sure what he wants in your life comes to pass. Think about it as, as those of us, how many of us got children in here? When your children delight in you, it's, it's, it's an example of when you tell them, no, I don't want you to do that. Instead, I want you to do this. And they say, okay. No, don't wear, honey, don't wear that. Uh, go put this on. Oh, mom, you know, uh, last time I want to put that on, but, you know, I need some new shoes and da-da-da-da. Oh, as long as, it, as long as it's in line with what you want, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go buy those new shoes because that's the outfit I wanted you to wear. So now I see you don't have what I need, so I'm going to provide for you what you need because you're needing what I want you to have. Why? Because you wanted to put on what I told you to put on because I know what's best for you and you're trusting me, you're relying on me, you're depending on me, so I'm going to provide for you. That's why when you go back to Philippians 4, it talks about and let man see your unselfishness. You're not demanding your way, you're not demanding your rights, you're not demanding your wants, you're saying, Lord, I'm going to be unselfish. And this is not going to be about me, it's going to be about what you want. This ties right into Philippians 2 when it says, let this mind be in you, which was, which was in Christ Jesus. And we studied that out. We found out that it meant he literally took on a mind of a servant, a mind that said, Lord, whatever you want. And it refers right back, and we're going to look at this in a minute, to the Garden of Gethsemane where he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Your peace is directly tied into your ability to delight yourself in God. Some of us are not at peace because we're not in line and at one with God's will for our lives. He's saying do this, but we want to do that. And because he loves you so much, he's going to let you do what you want to do, but your soul is not going to be at rest because you're out of alignment with your creator. And if you get in alignment with your creator and say, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done for my life. I don't like it, but I love it because of you. He says, that's okay, I'll give you the want to. Thank you for just being willing. I'll give you the desire. I'll give you the ability. I'll give you the power. 
But I don't know about you, there's been several things in my life that, I, that God told me to do that I did not want to do, but I went ahead and just lined myself up and did it, and there was peace there. There was provision there. I had all the things that I needed. Remember one of those definitions of peace was having the full number that you needed? Yeah, I had all the money that I needed to do that thing. I had all the provision I needed. I also had the right mind and the wisdom to do what I needed to do. My body was right where it needed to be at to do what it needed to do. There was peace. There was wholeness. There was nothing missing, lacking, or broken. There was irene or shalom. It was all there because I very much simply stayed where he told me to stay and did what he told me to do and moved as he told me to move. Being unselfish is where I found his peace. See, peace comes from God. But in order to get it from him, I got to make sure I am where he is. And what is he telling me? I can't, I can't turn my back on him and go and do my own thing and then say, God, give me peace for what I want to do. That's not how it works. God, give me peace to marry who I want to marry. Put your peace on this. God says, I don't want you to marry that joker. He's not ready. She's not ready. Somebody say, what if I already married him? Okay, that's a whole other story. <laughs> God will still give you direction in that situation. How many, oh, don't raise your hand. I was messed up. Uh, how many of you guys have been there before? No, I'm there right now, Pastor. But God can still heal and restore. He can still do all of that. Uh, now, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it really helps if both parties are at a point that they're ready to submit to his will. And then God can do all the transforming and the changing in that marriage that needs to happen in each individual and, and bring that thing together. But it, again, it takes both. What happens if both of us ain't ready to do that? And it's just one of us. Well, that's what our study was about when we looked over, over in 1 Corinthians and Paul began to talk about that. And that's when I got to go to God and say, okay, Lord, is this something that's going to work? Or do I need to go talk to Pastor Archie and Pastor Melissa and have some other conversations? And that's when you start getting guidance and you start getting wisdom and you start getting counsel. But let's just say if, if everybody's ready, then even if you're not sure if you were supposed to get married, but you did anyway, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Well, God will say, because you both have submitted your wills to my will, now I can transform and change you for the, from the inside out and bring you two together for my will and my purpose. God can do that. He says, commit your way to the Lord, roll and repose each care of your load on him, trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in him, and he will bring it to pass. It's very interesting that it just says it, because that's whatever it is in your life he's telling you to do. That's whatever. Verse uh, 6. And he will make your uprightness, and he will make your uprightness, and right standing with God go forth as the light, and your justice and right as the shining sun of the noonday. This is what he does. So now let's go back to Philippians 4. Let's look at this one more time. So where does peace come from? Yeah, peace comes from God. Uh, Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Here it is, the light. Gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. Well, now I know why I can rejoice. Because I'm doing his will and I know everything's going to work out. I have delighted myself in him. I'm doing it his way. And he promises he will work it out. So I'm good. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, because you put him first, your considerateness and forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything. Well, I, I, again, I don't have to be afraid. Why don't I have to be afraid? Because I'm doing the will of the Father. And see, and Jesus modeled this all the way up to the cross. Jesus didn't freak out and run. He didn't start talking, talking doubt and unbelief. Why? Because I'm about my Father's business. I've delighted myself in him, so I'm not afraid. It says, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, and I love it, it says definite requests. What's a definite request? That's a request that I'm making based on what the Father has told me. 
That's a request that I definitely know is going to be taken care of because of God's promises to me. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that healing just come throughout my body. Why can I pray that? Because by his stripes I am healed. That is a definite request. I go to God. It is his will for my life that I be healed. That is not a, a, a beg. That is not an indefinite request or a request I'm not too sure of. It is literally one that I have demands on right now. So you need to make sure that when you're praying, if you're praying in peace, you need to make sure that you're praying definite requests. Requests that line up with God's word and will for your life. Then it says, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Well, that's pretty easy because my wants, Lord, are whose wants? Your wants. And then it says, when you've done this, God's peace shall be yours which transcends all understanding and it shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Now this is so interesting. Now that I've made his will my will, now that I've taken on a trust and a reliance on him and his provision, that assurance, that peace becomes a guard to my mind. Ah, my mind is just being attacked. Has peace got on duty yet? Because peace can't get on duty until you delight yourself in the Lord. But once you've delighted yourself in the Lord and you've let his will become your will and, and you're now trusting in his promises and in his hand and in his power, then I can rejoice because peace is on guard. And when peace is on guard and I'm trusting God, can't nothing break through that. Fear can't break through that. Anxiety can't break through that. Pink slips can't break through that. Uh, cannot break through that. Uh, arguments cannot break through that. Poverty and the attack thereof cannot break through that. Why? Because I am here because I'm where God told me to be. And so that peace secures me. An insecure person, uh, and men, I'm, I'm talking to us especially right now, an insecure man is a man who has not lined his will up with God and he's insecure and, because he's, and he's not at peace because he's not trusting in what God said about him. He's not following the purpose that God has for him. He may not even talk to God on a regular basis so having peace is almost impossible. Not almost, it is impossible. To not talk to God is to deny your peace. To not have a relationship with God is to reject his peace. And then men, we wonder why we walk around feeling like we don't have purpose. We walk around wondering why we, we can't be settled. Wondering why ulcers are popping up and all these other stress-related illnesses are coming up. And the solution is very simple. Go spend time with your father. But because many of us haven't had fathers or the right relationship with our father, the last thing we want to do is spend time with some type of father or father figure that we think is going to reject us, that we think is going to lie to us, that we think is going to withhold from us, or that we think is going to hurt us. But when you know God who is love, when you know God who is your savior, who is your defender, who is your protector, who is your peace. Once you get into his presence, it will be everything that you were missing out for, uh, missing out from before, everything you need, everything you want, and literally more. Amen. So all of a sudden, what was insecure becomes secure because you know your father and you know he's not a liar. You know he got your back. You know he's the one that makes you look good to the family. <laughs> you know he's the one that hooks you up with all the ideas and all the wisdom that you need. And so you become 100% reliant upon him. And that's all he wants. And that peace is what guards you when insecure moments try to rise up. When arguments come or, or rejection comes or whatever like that, you have this peace that says, I know what you just called me, but I know who I am. I know what you just said about me, and I'm going to have compassion on you because apparently I did something to make you mad that I don't quite know what it is, but I'm not going to allow that misunderstanding and the pain that you're going through to cause me to respond out of more pain. Instead, I'm going to have compassion on what you're, what you're saying. I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to listen to what you're saying, and I'm gonna, but, but I'm listening while you're talking to the Holy Spirit. I'm listening to my God who is my source of my peace and trying to figure out how can this peace on the inside of me now be shared with you. 
So now the same unselfish attitude that I had towards the Father and said, your will becomes my will, this same unselfish attitude, also known as love, now becomes uh, paramount in my heart. And that same love now is ready to reach out to you. And it's reflected in unselfish behavior. And I'm used to this because I'm used to following him. And in following him, I've had to deny myself over and over and over again. So to deny myself from him is, is nothing compared to, uh, I mean, to deny myself to you is nothing compared to deny myself to him. I'm used to denying myself. I'm used to being unselfish. And so now when, when you need something, I can do it. Because God in me has now equipped me to do what I need to do. So all of a sudden, I can love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. But it was only because I made a decision to delight myself in God. It was only because I was pursuing peace myself. And in pursuing peace myself, I bumped into everything I need from the Father. If you understand that, say amen. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Man, our time is flying. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Let's look at that in the uh, King James. Somebody say, I have, peace. I have peace. Amen. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let's go to the Amplified in this real quick. We'll look at a couple of things. It says, and may the God of peace himself. So who is the God of peace? God. It's not somebody else. It's not some angel. It's not like that. This is talking about God. May the God of peace himself sanctify you. So who sanctifies me? Oh, I thought I had to sanctify myself. I thought I had to set myself apart. I thought I had to fix myself. I thought I had to clean myself up. I thought he does it. He takes the responsibility to sanctify you through and through. Now, I love the definitions that the Amplified has, just in case you thought it meant something else. It says, separate you from profane things. Uh, I just wish I could get away from this guy because he's no good for me. He will help separate you if you allow him, if you delight yourself in him. Amen? He'll make you pure and wholly consecrated to God. He'll make you pure with your dirty self. He'll make you pure. He'll fix you. He'll clean you up. He will generate the peace. Why? Because he's the God of peace. We got to stop trying to do this ourselves. Rest and allow him to clean you up. It says, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved, sound and complete, and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Do you know because Christ lives on the inside of you, because you're saved, when he returns, it says spirit, soul, and body, you're going to be good. Amen? So where does peace come from? Where does peace come from? So as I know God, I am putting myself in a place of mental peace. As I spend time with him, as I spend time worshiping him, as I spend time in his word, as I spend time surrounding myself with him, I am positioning myself right in my place of peace. He is my peace, and in his presence, I have all the peace that I need. So if you want to have peace, where do you need to go? Huh? What does that look like? Spending time with God? What else? Shutting everything else out? Getting to his word? What else? Prayer? Uh-huh. Trust? But yeah, but what does that practically look like? Can, can I listen to every rap song that got a ton of cussing in it like I normally do if I'm trying to build my peace up? Uh-uh. How come? Well, those are some profane things, and he's going to be working on trying to separate me from that. <laughs> so this is going in direct contradiction to my peace. Don't mean, don't mean I'm going to hell. 
if I'm listening to that, but don't expect a ton of peace. Amen. See, this is where your greasy grace beats a wall. <laughs> this is where people who are thinking the grace message is what some people call hyper grace, which means I can just do what I want to do. No, the whole objective of grace is holiness. God has made all this available to me. He's paid the penalty. He's paid the price so that I can be right with him. But then in order to continue to maintain the life that he's designed for me on earth in order to have this peace, I got to do right. If I choose not to do right, I'm not going to go to hell per se, but I'm definitely not going to have peace on earth. I definitely don't have prosperity to necessarily look forward to. I'm just going to write this out, Lord. He said, he said write this out. I said, yes, sir. Amen. <laughs> because that's the challenge. We're looking at it, and I told y'all what my pet peeve is. My pet peeve is seeing people come to church on a regular basis. How many of y'all been in church for five years? Raise your hand. How many of y'all been in church for 10 years? Keep your hand up. 15, 20. Look at that. It's almost the same hands up. And we'll be in church 20, 30 years and still be struggling to pay the bills. Still be struggling to, to deal with a cold. Still be struggling to not cuss our spouse out. Still be struggling with depression and things like that. And I said, enough is enough, Lord. What is the deal? He said, they won't believe my whole word. He says, they keep trying to mix it with all this other stuff. They keep trying to redefine stuff. The law is old. The law did its job. Christ fulfilled it. And it's still doing its job to this day if you ain't saved. If you ain't saved, the law is still in effect for, for you. It's still pointing you to the Savior. But if you're saved, that law is of no more effect. Now you have grace who has given you access to the Father. Now you have grace that has assured your salvation or your place in heaven, if you will. But you still live on this earth. And there are spiritual principles and things such as this one we're studying about today about having peace that require your alignment with your heavenly father. And that alignment starts in your mind. The New Testament often calls it your heart or your soul. And what happens is, is people say, well, I'm saved, I'm good to go, so I can just go do with this body whatever I want to do. Now, you don't do nothing with your body unless your mind tells it to. So they are at this point of unbelief. They don't believe what God's word actually says. And if they're not careful, they'll get over into what Hebrews talks about, which is this evil heart of unbelief that literally is a hardened heart that says, it doesn't matter. I can just do whatever. That's not what grace should ever be leading you to. As a matter of fact, if that becomes your belief system, then I got to question whether you're really saved in the first place. Because last I checked, he is separating me from profane things. And the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. If you ain't being separated, I got to question what you're really attached to. Because if I am attached to God and his word, then he will be pulling me away from profane things. The more I know him, I'm cussing a little less. The more I know him, that pornography is going away. The more I know him, uh, 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 the, the adultery ain't happening, the weed ain't happening, uh, the, the things that are, are leading me away from the negative things are the things of peace, the things of God. But if I'm still doing all the same stuff I used to do and worse, I got to question whether this is in you whether Christ lives on the inside of you. Because you can't have him on the inside of you and have a relationship with him and be busting hell wide open. Not for any length of time. Your mind will start getting renewed after a while. And you'll start being like, now, now understand, this is not preaching the law. It's not saying you start doing stuff to prove you're saved. No, 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 I'm just saying it's a side effect. Holiness is a side effect of salvation. Because he's separating me from profane things. He's making me pure. He's consecrating me. 
And if I'm really walking with him, that should be the effect. There are just certain things I'm just not interested in. I don't want to be drunk. I mean, what? Why? Some people get drunk for, I guess, a bunch of different reasons. I've been drunk. It's not fun. I've been drunk on mistake. I won't tell you when, but it wasn't fun. It was like, what the heck? Because I think I'm drunk. That's not fun. Oh, are you saying you can't drink? I didn't say that. The Bible says don't be drunk with strong drink. Having a drink, I'm not preaching against that at all. Amen. I didn't I see it say that. But you know when you've had enough. And if you're pushing yourself beyond the enough over and over and over and over again, I got to ask you why. What are you doing? I'm just getting high. I'm just getting high all the time. I'm getting high. Why? What are you doing? What is that doing for you? Because if you really look deep at it, what you're doing is you're trying to have an experience within your, through your flesh that you were meant to have through your spirit with God. But because you're not spending time with God, you've now found a substitute for him. And this good feeling, this peaceful feeling, this tranquil, tranquil feeling, this worry-free feeling, ain't that what all that do for you? All of that is what he describes I'll give to you if you just come spend time with me. He's the God of peace. Weed is not your God of peace. Alcohol ain't your God of peace. Sex is not your God of peace. Those things all take place and happen through your flesh, through the carnal senses, and they are designed to counterfeit God's presence. This is not even my notes. This is straight out my spirit. I'm telling you, this is straight from him. And whoever it's for, take it. They're all designed to counterfeit his presence. And at the end of the day, you will find yourself lusting after those things and running after those things and you find yourself in a point of lasciviousness which means you've cast off restraint and now you're out of control. Now God still loves you in that state. Grace is still right there for you in that state. And if you were to die with that weed in your mouth or that girl on your lap, guess what? You would die and go to heaven. But you'd be out of here sooner than what he planned because you're not on his plan. You're not on his desires. You're not in line with his will. He has a will. He has a desire. He has a plan. But you're just not in it. You have to choose. And I hope you guys are getting this in these messages we're preaching. You have to choose to get in line and in his will. But he loves you so much, he'll let you be out of it or in it. And many of us have experienced life outside of the will of God. Hey, why is everything going crazy. Why does it look like my money running right through my pocket? Why me and my wife always into it? Why are my kids acting like they nuts? Why are we sick all the time? Why is going on? Because you might be outside of his will. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying check it out because I know the God of peace lives with you. And if you're following him, all that shouldn't be happening in your life over and over and over again. You started off 10 years ago saying it was an attack from the enemy. But it's 10 years later and that same attack is going on. It don't take God that long to win a battle. Well, you can't put no time limit on what God doing. I don't know. That was for somebody. It, he said it don't take him that long to win a battle. You got the victory right now. So I don't want you religiously just staying in certain places because the solution may be as simple as, Lord, I trust you. What? did you tell me to do? Because I think I missed the rest of the sentence. God says, go to Africa. You're like, yes. He says, 20 years from now, and you were already off running. Didn't hear the rest of the sentence. And so now you're doing something out of sync with him. That's what happens to some of us as well. You say, but Archie, I heard what he said, but did you hear the whole conversation? I've learned to make sure I sit still so that I can know him and all of what he's saying. I don't get up until there's a total release. And even after I get the release, I still stick to what the word says. It says there's wisdom in a multitude of what? counsel so I go and get with other folks and we try to make sure that we got the mind of God on this thing and we don't move until there's peace. 
Amen? Amen. What does that look like? You just keep talking the thing through and meditating over it and rolling it over amongst each other until you say, that's it. See, you have to have a culture of peace all around you. And that's how the children of the Lord are supposed to live. That's how the sons and the daughters of God are supposed to live. And then he says, and now I can be in that because you let me be in that. If you understand that, say amen. So your God is a God of peace. My time is all gone, man. I, <laughs> but I, I just want you to get that. And I want you to know that. That peace is promised to you. This is not, this is not a trick. This is not God hiding it from you. This is not something you have to search for. If, 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 if you don't have peace, you got to take it. It's yours. And God has it right there waiting for you. Wholeness, oneness, completeness, nothing missing, lacking, or broken. But, but, the, but the nugget in all of that is, I got to make sure I'm delighting myself in him. Not about works. It's about decisions. It's about belief. It's about trust. Am I placing high priority and number one priority on what he wants for my life? And am I doing this thing the way Jesus did it? When he said, nevertheless, not my will, but what? Your will be done. Turn there as we close. Mark 14, 36. Let me let you see what this agreement looks like. Let me say, let you see what this mindset looks like. In Mark 14, 36. And he was saying, Abba, which means what? He was, this is an intimate relationship moment. This is him and God. Everything you can leave that plan. Everything is possible for you. Everything is possible for you. Take away this cup from me. Yet not what I will, not what I want, not what I desire, not what I'm thinking, not what I'm feeling, but what you will. That's making his desires your desires. That's delighting yourself in the will of your Father. By nature, it often will be, I have to go with something that I don't want to go with. I mean, it wouldn't be trust if you believed in it already anyway. It wouldn't be faith if it was something that was already proven to you. So have you been living life in a comfort zone? Because if you're doing this thing God's way, you should always feel like you're on the edge. You should be living in a place of literal just, I don't know what's going on, but God has got us through and through and through and through over and over and over again. I mean, it's a fun place to live. But it ain't comfortable. But it's good. I've, I've been at the most peace I've ever been in in my life the last uh, seven years because it's just been in this place of just trusting God. Unqualified, not enough resources, not enough money, not enough degrees, not enough staff, not enough volunteers, but yet we still keep winning. Not because we're all that, but because we're trusting God. Because we're doing what he said to do. But that requires a boldness and a trust and a confidence in him. It requires making ourselves so small that we start saying, ah, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what I'm doing. But I'm doing it, so I better trust him. Because it's his at the end of the day. The life that you have is the life that he gave you. Make sure you're giving it back to him every day. Make sure you're trusting him with it every day. And he promises that he'll be with you. And he promises that you'll have peace. So Father, I declare 
peace, peace over everyone's life. I thank you that everything that may have been broken is being mended and complete. Anything that was missing is manifesting in the name of Jesus. I thank you what may have been stolen is now being restored. I speak especially to the marriages and the families, and I declare peace, peace over every area of their lives. And I thank you, Lord, that through growing in our relationship with you, we will be learning how to be second so that we can learn how to be second with one another. I speak unselfishness and your love in the heart of every man and woman. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise as the results of radiated love in our households come forth. And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise for that. Were you blessed by that today? Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to keep uh, going with this thing. Tomorrow night we'll be um, at the, our South Church location, and I'll be picking up with this on tomorrow night. So if you can make it out there, come on out and get part whatever this, this is going to be. Uh, if you're unable to get out to that side of town uh, in Pearland, then go ahead and log on to our um, YouTube page. It'll be on there, and we'll be just sitting there finishing this uh, message up. But don't miss the rest of this, amen? Because we literally just got through the first part of it, and there, there's a lot more good stuff in it. So make sure you get all of this and just eat it up and go home and apply it in every area of your life, but especially in your marriage and in your family, amen? Amen. Well, let's honor God with our giving. Um, if you need to offer an envelope, uh, you can raise your hands or you can look in the pews near you. Uh, and just so, so trusting God. So trusting God. I, I love the fact that we get an opportunity to sow because um, we get an opportunity to place a high priority on God. Also, your sowing helps Everything we do in this church, everything we do in this community, everything we do around the world through this ministry. So, um, you know, sowing is not a bad thing. Some people, well, I ain't got to give, I ain't got to tithe, I ain't got to, no, you don't have to, we get to. We literally get to say, Lord, I'm going to support your work, I'm going to support your kingdom. Uh, and, the, and the laws of seed time and harvest and, and the spiritual principles about giving, all those things are still in effect. The difference is, if you don't do it, doesn't mean you're going to hell. It doesn't mean you're cursed. But doing it is definitely a benefit for every believer. Amen? So, Father God, we just take these offerings and we lift them up before you and we thank and praise you that we have peace even in our finances. You said you wanted us to prosper and be in good health in 3 John 2, even as our soul prospers. So we speak prosperity in our minds, in our bodies, but also in our finances. And I thank you if there be any need represented in this house. We declare peace right now in that situation. And there's nothing missing, lacking, or broken. It lines up with your will, and we thank you for it. Fathers, if there's any financial things going on in the households, any things that you want us to put down, I pray right now for wisdom, for the things that we need to let go of that may be messing with our peace. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. As they're doing that, if you're in this room and you need prayer, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if that's you, I want you to hurry up and come down to the front. Or maybe you um, haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If that's what you want, you can come on down to the front. And last but not least, if you want to join the church, I think everybody in here is members, but if I'm missing somebody, then you can also come down to the front. So let's stand to our feet real quick. Uh, look to the persons nearest to you. Just point at them. Give them a thumbs up, thumbs down. See if they need any prayer for anything. If they say yes, then help them down to the front. Looks like I'm seeing thumbs ups all over the place. So let's go ahead and give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Somebody say, why you do that? You know, it's only if, uh, you know, so many of us in here, we're all believers and trusting God. Well, you just never know. You 
never know what somebody's going through. You never know where somebody's at. And, and I just am a firm believer. I've been in ministries where they don't even do an altar call, and it'll be two, three years. And, you know, and everybody's just coming to church, but, but you don't know who's saved and who's not. And people, you know, go through stuff, and you want to always give that opportunity. Amen? Amen. Well, raise your hands, and as we prepare to be dismissed, Father, we thank you for your peace in every area of our lives. Now unto him who was able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God, to him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. As we leave this place, we go in your grace and your peace, and we thank you for your love, manifesting all this week in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed.